Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello and God bless you. Welcome into the study today. We're going to be picking it up in Revelation chapter 6 in just a moment. Now, we've come to the part to where the seals are about to start to be opened. They are fixing to start getting broke into. And as we work through this sixth chapter, we're going to be flipping around and we're going to be going between this sixth chapter of Revelation and Mark chapter 13. So if you want to go ahead and take a second and Get open to Mark 13 and just get you a bookmark there where you can flop back and forth. It'll probably make it a lot easier. Now, as we come into this, in the, in the last chapter we saw that there was a book with seven seals on it and no man had the power to open this book except the Lamb who came forward. And here we are picking it up in chapter 6, verse 1. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. And verse 1 reads, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, a noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Now this beast is zoon in the Greek. It means living creatures. Verse 2, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, that sounds really good. That sounds awesome because he's on this white horse and he has a crown and he's got this bow. The problem is, in this verse, you can look it up in your Strong's Concordance. Greek word 5115 is toxon. And what that means is a fake bow or a fabric imitation. So it's someone faking that Shekinah glory, that prism of light, that rainbow. Now, we know who the one is that pretends to be Christ and is not. It's the Antichrist. So this seal is telling us, watch out. The Antichrist comes first. Now we're going to move over to Mark 13, verse 5. And verse 5 reads, And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The thing about the seals is that they are not in chronological order. They are in the order of importance. This first seal is so important. God wants you to know the Antichrist is coming first. He is coming to go and conquer and to deceive and to draw as many as he can into his little trap so that when the true Christ arrives, those who have been conquered by this one on this white horse this one with, the, with this crown, then they will be caught in Satan worship because that's really what it boils down to be. All right, moving on in Revelation, verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard a second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. 
Now that's war. Let's flip back over here to Mark chapter 13, verse, verse 7. Hear what Christ had to say about it. Verse 7. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end is not yet. It's not here yet. All these wars that are going around. Nobody's, nobody's at peace right now. There's wars and, and disruption and chaos throughout the world. Verse 8. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. We're seeing a whole lot of that right now. All right, moving back to Revelation 6 and verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard a third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his head, in his hand, excuse me. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, this one with these pair of balances in his hand, obviously they're not fairly balanced. Because a measure of wheat for a penny, that's a day's work. You're trying to get a little bread for a whole day's work, and three measures of barley for a day's work. But what does it say there at the end? And see thou not hurt the oil and the wine. Now symbolically, the oil and the wine are God's. It's that Eliyah, that olive oil that is used in anointing. And it's that wine that we take at communion. What he's saying is you can hurt the earth, but don't you hurt me. You ain't going to hurt me and you're not going to hurt my elect, my anointed. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beast of the earth. Now, don't get ahead of yourself. It's in everybody. This is for those who are deceived, okay? This is spiritual. Let's go back to Mark chapter 13, and, verse, and we're going to pick it up in verse 8. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and that's the wars, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of the sorrows. These famines and these troubles are in that fourth seal, and they're the beginnings of the sorrows. Now, these sorrows are labor pains, getting ready, this earth, getting ready to birth the new age, that being the, the millennium, getting ready for that third age, third earth and heaven age, that third eon of time. All right, back in Revelation. Verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain, for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on earth? Now, this who were slain, this isn't only those who were martyred, but this is also those who were spiritually slain, who were knocked down, 
and who had it right, who were following God, and then all of a sudden allowed themselves to be tripped up. Verse 11. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for, let a, for yet a little season. Now, this little season is very important. Until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now, these white robes we read about in Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. And the white robes are those robes of righteousness woven from the righteous works that the saints had done while in the flesh. All right, so now why did I say that little season is so important? Because that little season is that time during the millennium. Whenever we get into the, the millennium chapter of Revelation, you'll see that Satan is bound in chains for a short season and then is loosed again. Now, what is important about that? That little season is that millennial kingdom. And it's that time when we can read of in Ezekiel chapter 44 that those who have overcome will be able to teach those that never received the word of God, that never understood, that never had the opportunity to hear the true word of God. And you might say, well, yeah, that's crazy. There's a church on every corner. There's, you know, there's broadcast all over the everywhere. How could anybody not hear that? Well, there's a lot of people that are talking about the Bible, but they're not actually teaching the true Bible, the true word. At the same time, if a man who was a very great man was to have died within a month after Christ had been crucified, living in a country on an island somewhere, that no one had ever heard of the gospel, but this man was a good, good man, then why would it be just for him to be condemned for not receiving the word of God, the salvation through Christ? That wouldn't be just. Therefore, in the millennium, during that time, those, are, those who did not have that opportunity will at that time receive the opportunity to accept Christ as the one who brought us our salvation. <clears throat> Verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell into the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the lamb on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? All these men that it mentioned here, the great men, the rich men, the captains and the and everybody. It didn't say the righteous men. It didn't say God's anointed. 
God's anointed have nothing to fear. If you don't follow the Antichrist, if you have these seals in your mind and you know that it's deception and the Antichrist comes first and when Christ shows up, you haven't bowed a knee to the false Christ, you have nothing to worry about. You won't be having to go look for a den to hide in. You'll be able to walk out gladly and say, thank God you're back. Now let's move back over to Mark chapter 13. We're going to go back to verse 9 and kind of pick up where with the white robes and the martyrs, and then we will carry on from there. Mark chapter 13, verse 9. Excuse me. But take heed to yourself, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. This is the fifth seal again. And the gospel must first be published among all the nations. Now, it's important to understand that when they deliver you up, that is the elect's destiny, is to be delivered up before the Antichrist, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them, to give that testimony that even is so strong because it's not the elect who are speaking, but God speaking through them, through the Spirit. And it's so powerful that even the naysayers will be convinced of the, of the truth that is coming through them. So this beating, they're going to be browbeaten. They're going to be, they're going to be laughed at, scoffed at, and everybody. They're going to be saying, "What? You're, you're, you're. What's wrong with you? You're kicking against the pricks. You see? Don't you see? He's right here. He's sitting in front of you. Why are you saying this? It in the Christ? But you'll know the whole time that is the Antichrist. We're still waiting on the true Christ. If we're in a flesh body." If there is still blood coursing in your veins, you're in a flesh body, and the true Christ has not arrived yet. Verse 11. But when they shall lead you up and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand which ye shall speak, neither do you premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that you speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now, the brother shall betray the brother to death. A lot of people get shaken up on this and think, man, even the families are killing each other. And if you look at if you look at the movies and all the big cinema pictures and everything, you know, if you believe that is truth, you would think it's just fixing to be just a bloodbath. What does it say in in Daniel? He comes peacefully and prosperously. There's no way that he could come in convincing anyone that he was the true Christ through death. So what kind of death is this? This is a spiritual death. And this death, now the brother shall betray the brother to death, also meaning Satan. One brother is going to say, don't you understand? This is Christ. Can't you help my brother out? Hold on, hold on. Well, let me look, just let me bring him to you. Let me bring him to you. You talk to him. He, you know, he's, his eyes are just a little dim right now. He's not understanding. And the father and the son And children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. They're going to be taken up. That's how the elect are going to be uh, delivered is through those around them who they're telling, hey, don't believe that. Don't believe that. That's the Antichrist. Steer clear of that. The true Christ, we got to wait. We got to wait. There's a seventh trunk. We got to wait on the true Christ. And they're going to go 
and deliver them up. He said, just, just talk to my brother. Just talk to my son. Just talk to my daughter or my, my parents. They don't believe that you're the true, but I do. Oh, I believe. And spiritually, those who believe and, and, and who are delivering their people up, they are spiritually dead because they don't understand the seals. They don't know that the Antichrist comes before the true Christ. Verse 13, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when he shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, now that it should be translated where he ought not, that being Satan standing as he is being worshipped, standing in the place where Christ ought to be standing, receiving that worship. Continuing on, let him that readeth understand. Then let him that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And what does that mean? Mountains are nations, symbolically. It, whenever we get to Revelation chapter 17, we get a lot of, of God explains the symbolism as far as waters and mountains and trees and such. And mountains are symbolic of nations. So what this saying is those that are there, those that know what's happening, go and tell the nations, hey, this is the Antichrist. Don't fall for it. Steer clear. Keep your minds on Christ. Keep your minds in this word. Know the truth. And don't fall for that abomination. Verse 15. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of the house. Why? Because you're not going to need it. The time is so close. You don't, need a, you don't need an overnight bag because it's just right around the corner. And let him that's in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe unto them that were with child and to them that give suck in those days. This verse is taken so much out of context. People get so wrapped up around the physicality of things thinking that this is talking about a literal woman with a child either in her womb or nursing this child. Again, you've got to be spiritually minded here. What is it? Our Christ is our husband. We're the bride of Christ. And he's been gone for 2,000 years. What is it if he shows up and we're either pregnant or nursing along a child? That means that they've received that doctrine of the Antichrist, and they're either pregnant with it, or not only have they received it, but they're helping them along. They're going out there, they're delivering people up, they're working, they're doing their best to try to get everybody to believe that the Antichrist is the Christ. Then they're nursing it along, okay? So this child here is symbolic of that false doctrine. Verse 18, And pray ye that your flight be not in winter. Well, why wouldn't it be in winter? You can't travel far. Not only that, winter is not harvest time. If you're getting ready to get harvested and it's winter time, you're out of season. Wrong one. Verse 19, For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. 
And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. Now, you can read in Revelation chapter 9, verse 5, that these days have been shortened from seven years to five months. And that might be, you know, kind of a shock to a lot of people. Um, you know, but it, it just, that's where it is. Verse 21, And then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But you see, it's not possible because the elect have these seals in their mind. And those seals allow the elect to know these truths. And it closes those doors that don't need to be open. And it opens those doors that need to be open. Verse 23, but take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. He hadn't just told us a little bit. He has foretold us all things. You see, some people might say, well, Revelation's back here. And he said this in Mark. So how did how did he already tell us all things throughout the entire word? You know, there's more written about the millennium in the book of Ezekiel than there is in any other book. In this word of God. There's more explanation of what happens to the flesh at the arrival of Christ at the seventh trump in Zechariah than there is in Revelation. Verse 24, and this is picking back up at the sixth seal. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, that means the entire earth, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. All right, so I just I wanted to cover all of that because it really, Christ really does a great job at breaking down what those seals are and what it is that we're studying on right now. All right, so back in Revelation. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 7 and verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, there's one thing about these four angels with the four winds. When you hear about the four winds and they be released, that is the, the is that signifies the end of this age. It signifies that is the seventh trump. That's when the heavens will roll away like a scroll. The earth quakes, the stars fall from the sky and the glory of God shows back up is 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 Christ returns. Verse 2, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. 
And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. And of the tribe of Joseph sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. All right, so in that sealing, we see the tribe of Levi and the tribe of Joseph substituted for Dan and Ephraim. Now, what that means, if, if you remember to when the tribe of Israel would be in, would, were numbered, you didn't have the tribe of Joseph. You had Ephraim and Manasseh. And the tribe of Levi were scattered out throughout all the land of Israel. So they didn't have an inheritance in the land because their inheritance was the Lord. But now they're numbered in this spot. The reason being is that Dan and Ephraim were, they, they rushed into idolatry. Dan was the first one to go into idolatry and forsake God. And Ephraim became one of the largest tribes whenever the, um, the northern ten tribes broke free from the two southern tribes, and they began practicing idolatry heavily. So for that, they're pulled out of this and substituted with Joseph and with Levi. Therefore, Joseph still receives that double portion, which his dad blessed him with, because Manasseh was also numbered in this. All right. So on this ceiling, on this don't hurt the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. You know, that's not the first time we've heard of this. Matter of fact, if you go back to Ezekiel chapter 9, we hear of this same sealing that happens. And we'll pick it up in chapter 9, verse 1 of Ezekiel. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. So the end's getting ready. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood behind the, beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Now this mark, if you look this mark up in the concordance, it is a tab. And ever since the Babylonian captivity, the Hebrew has transitioned from Paleo-Hebrew to more of a block letter, block style. But in the ancient Hebrew, 
This word from Mark, the Tav, looked like a lowercase t or a cross. So he's saying, put that upon their foreheads. Verse 5, and to the others, he said, in mine hearing, go ye, for, go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began and the ancient men were where which were before the house. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house. What does that mean? They began at the teachers, those teaching the word of God. They began at the pulpit and worked their way out. So the first ones who were chosen, either you were crying out for these abominations, you received this mark, or you've fallen, you're spiritually slain. Judgment begins in the pulpit. All right, back over in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. Now, all the, this is the 144,000 have been numbered. Now, what does verse 9 say? After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried aloud with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God Forever and ever. Now, the reason verse 9 is so important is because a lot of people get wrapped up with this 144,000. There's not just 144,000 going to be in the eternity. Because after that, there was a multitude that no man could number of every type of people imaginable. Now, we'll pick it up in verse 13 of this seventh chapter in the next study. God bless y'all. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.